Blog Talk Radio.
Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. See the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Porklet, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like, early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Saw Mark Wassell, Presidente. Also joining us is Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend. Matthew, I tell you what, over the last forty-eight over the last forty-eight hours, we've had some breaking news. 
That's right. Breaking news. Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, is going to help us break that down. We we kind of made a little teaser intro to it in, in the opening dialogue, but McLaren dumps uh, uh, dumps Honda, picks up Chevy and Schmidt Motorsports. Pick it, take it, take it from there, Matthew. What say you? Let's let's hope. Let's hope for the sake of God that IndyCar has not made the worst mistake ever by allowing this to happen. What are your thoughts? I don't know why it's a mistake. I mean, McLaren's just trying to save face here. I mean, they tried to do it all on their own this past month, or past month, 8,500, that blew up in their face. Give them credit for, and give Sam Schmidt credit for giving them a second chance here. Uh, Zach Brown, I think this is a serious commitment that he's making here. And uh, you can't help but think this is not only going to help uh, whoever the driver's going to be. Obviously, the big name that's being dropped right now is Colton Herta. Uh, but uh, I think it's going to be a big boost to whatever the Matt, makeup of the team is for next year. Matthew, uh, I don't know yeah. if you're. I don't know if you're. I don't know if you're in a cave or if you're on the uh, on the space station out in outer space. But you sound like Darth Vader. Can you? Adjust your phone just a little bit so we can understand you a little bit better. Can you hear us? Uh, I can't go at uh, extremely high levels. Okay, we got you now. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Sorry to interrupt you. Go right ahead, sir. This signing is going to help, I think, uh, James Hinchcliffe. Uh, If Marcus Erickson uh, is – encouraged to stay for at least another year in IndyCar. I mean, there's rumors that he is looking again at possibly going back to Europe, whether it be sports car or possibly an outside side of that board ride again. And then obviously uh, Robert Wickens, if and when he's ready to come back. And then, of course, uh, whoever McLaren brings in, and it looks like the answer right now is uh, Colton Herta. Uh, I think right now the best thing, I think, for Colton Herta would be to get out of the Harding-Steinbrand situation because Harding has not been uh, nice to some of their drivers in the past. I mean, they said that Gabby Sowers was under contract. They gave him the boot. They said that Pato Award was under contract. They gave him the boot. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good things about Harding, but I think the way they've handled drivers under contract over the last uh, 12 months uh, just doesn't look all that great. And I think Colton Hurd is looking for an out. I think the McLaren situation would give him that chance to get an out and to uh, find, you know, a greener pasture. And I think uh, with the way Schmidt uh, has had their moments at Indianapolis, I think this gives uh, Colton Hurd a much better chance to be competitive at Indy as opposed to staying with Harding Steinbrenner. You know, that's certainly one of the names that I know have been tossed around in, in, in would be a good good fit uh, there. Uh, of course, it's still, we, we don't know. Funny season's coming up, so we'll, we'll see how that, that plays out. But let's talk a little bit about you, – you, you, you kind of nailed it on the head. McLaren's trying to save face. And I tell you what, they lost one of the biggest names they had, obviously, Fernando Alonso. Uh, and what an opportunity that would have been, fast forward, if they would have been able to uh, keep things together and keep Fernando with him and bring him, I mean, that would be the biggest news in the world next to the, the man landing on the moon. Uh, if, if they would have been able to keep that together. Uh, so how big of a, of a hit was Fernando leaving them? Of course, now they're going, they're teaming up with Chevy, which is a, you know, doing very, very well, obviously, as as we see in the in, in Team Penske there. Uh, but 
What are your thoughts? What you, if you're Fernando Alonso and you're seeing McLaren going full-time 2020 uh, season with IndyCar and it couldn't get things worked out with him, what are your thoughts? Well, I don't think it had anything to do with Alonso anyway, because Alonso made it clear that he didn't want to do the full schedule anyway. I think he was just focusing on Indy, which he could still do whether that's the car. Uh, so I don't think it had anything to do with Alonso here, per se. I think that was just the interest for him. I think he likes to dibble and dabble, you know, try the 25 to Lamar, maybe a few other things down the road. I, I don't think the full-time run was ever on his uh, docket of interest, and that's why I think you're seeing Colton Hurd's name being floated around instead of Alonzo. But it wouldn't surprise me if Alonzo does come back next year and gives Indy another go uh, to save face for himself as well. Well, yeah, certainly he would like to have a better uh, appearance at the Indianapolis 500 uh, next time than he did last year. Obviously, his uh, rookie year, if he was not his rookie year, but his rookie year as Indianapolis 500 driver was, was, was okay. And certainly the attention that it brought to the sport uh, when, when, he, when he came and did, even did testing, I mean, it was, it, was, it was huge news. Well, we've got just a few races left. Are we ready to crown uh, Joseph Newgarden our champion? You know me, I'm still not convinced, especially even though, yeah, the lead is growing, but you still got Alexander Rossi back there. And you know Rossi's going to be trying his darndest to try to break into that lead. And uh, even though, yes, uh, you have a lot of tracks that take our advantage Penske left on the schedule, including Pocono coming up and then next week, and then, uh, you know, Gateway. But I think still uh, Rossi has to be looked at as a contender for the championship at this point, uh, unless he has a very bad go of it the next couple rounds. What do we think about Simon Padjan? It was fun to watch him do his uh, uh, Tour de France, if you will. Uh, and, and just some of the pictures that he posted on Instagram and Twitter was really uh, kind of cool uh, in, in his uh, fire suit and helmet and uh, uh, <laughs> bathrobe. We probably saw all those pictures. Looks like he's having fun uh, bringing back the – I mean, not bringing back, but bringing the warm burger to France. Uh, so certainly all of that aside, uh, Simon Padjan, what say you? I think right now his championship hopes rest on Pocono because that's where he did win uh, holding off Rossi at the Indianapolis 500. Similar layout, similar distance to the 500 miles. I think he needs to get a result of Pocono. Otherwise, I think you could say it's a two-man race for the title at this point. Well, you mentioned Alexander Rossi. Certainly, he's one to to, to look at over there in the Andretti camp and uh, did his big uh, contract extension. Uh, and that's the thing about IndyCar and motorsports in general. They typically don't divulge how big the contract was. But my guess is it was big enough for him to, to not look in the direction of Penske or Penske to not look in his direction. Andretti sealed a deal uh, with Alexander Rossi, which was a make-sense deal. We talked about it here on the show uh, a couple times. But Alexander Rossi, uh, he certainly uh, is in it to win it this year. Well, let's look talk about the rumors with Penske. The only way Penske is going to go back to four cars is if the car count started dropping again. And right now, the car count is at a good number where Roger is not, is not obligated to provide an extra car to make sure that the numbers are covered, Tom. Um, there was never a situation, I think, where they were even thinking about going back to four cars. Now, say when the hybrids come and the teams can't afford them, then maybe you'll see them go back to four cars at that point. But there was just, I don't think there was ever a stinkling unless Pagano was struggling 
and did not win the Indy 500. I think that was the only scenario that you would have seen Rossi make the move to Penske, and it would have been a trade for Passano, possibly seen Passano maybe go to somewhere like Andretti. But I think that was the only way that Rossi was going to end up with Penske was something where Pagano continues struggles. The win at Indy, I think, ended the possibility of that. And then you have Ganassi with a happy situation with Dixon and Felix Rosenquist. That closed the door at Ganassi. So any, if Rossi had gone anywhere else, he would have been taking a step down, in my opinion. So that was the only logical decision was to re-sign with Andretti. You know, I want to stoke the, the stir the pot or stoke stoke the heat a little bit. I, I I'm going to feed off of your tweet here. You said let the funny season begin, and you threw a little nugget out there that I, I don't know. I, I don't. I started seeing the rumors, but you threw a little nugget out there on Twitter this week about Elio Tafoit. Let the funny season begin. Where did that begin? Is that a rumor? Actually, Were there smoke? There fire? But go ahead. Actually, that was from that was a retweet from David Land who made that uh, announcement. That actually well, came through Jim Aiello he, he, of IndyStar. Well, David Land he obviously that called the McLaren deal, so he, he David Land obviously called the McLaren deal, so uh, he, he's got he's got his sources. But how, what are your thoughts? I mean, is this is this a real thing? You think, or is this a thing, or? The question in my mind is why. We see that Tony Kanaan is from the point. There's rumors that Mateus Lace is on the out at the point. He would have to give up his Penske deal in sports car in order to do it. I don't see what he's gaining there. I mean, he, he was very unhappy the year when he was a back market for most of the season with Penske. The year before, he made the jump to sports cars. So why would he put himself through more pain of a full season of running at the back of the field in an uncompetitive car? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me when he has a chance with at least Indy and he has a car that's capable of winning. Until Foyt makes a big move forward, which I don't think they're ever going to make at this point, I don't think Elio, it's worth Elio running at the back of the field just to be an Indy car again. Well, <laughs> it's good for it's it's better for Foyt than it is for Elio. The question is, is Foyt able to make that kind of a deal to him? Where you know, going back to money, we don't know because it's undisclosed. It's not like uh, NFL or NBA or MLB where contracts are disclosed. Uh, there, we know they make very good money. I mean, there's obviously no doubt about that. But I, I, it would be very good for Foyt, and and TK has not been able to. I mean, I think we're we're, we're looking. I, how do I how do I say this without being uh, uh, abrasive toward two very fan favorites? I like them both very much. I've talked to both of them; super great people there at the track. But it's kind of like two old guys playing chess uh, at, at the at the retirement home, if you will, and talking about the times that were. I don't know that having TK and, and Elio on the same team with Foyt, that's what it reminds me of. It's like a bunch of old guys sitting around talking about the old times. That's what I think about every time I see Johnny Rutherford, uh, which is great. I mean, Johnny Rutherford's a, a legend. He was, uh, which speaking of legends, obviously he was, he was uh, at the track talking about the legends, but at some point we got to realize, Hey, those are great memories to have. Well, let's never forget them. But, are you the future 
of our team or our franchise. And I don't think that's the case with Elio. Well, I remember it's like uh, the great triathlete Paul Moody Frazier said in 1992, as long as you are competitive, your sponsors will be there to back you. But when you are not, they are going to abandon you. And I think the question is, is how much longer? I mean, ACC supply has been great to the points, but how much longer are they going to be willing to stay with them if progress is not being made? I mean, great. I mean, they have great drivers in name, but like you said, it's all about now and what are you doing for me lately? And right now, I just don't see anything that says uh, Foyt's making any progress toward the front, and I don't know if Elio Castaneda's coming in would really change that. We thought it would with bringing Tony Kanan in. It hasn't happened that way other than maybe one good run at Indy that was, you know, scratched because of a flat tire. But beyond that, uh, I really can't think of anything where Lace or uh, Kanan have really done anything special over the last, uh, say, you know, 18, 20 months. No, absolutely. So we'll see how it goes. That's why we call it the funny season because it, a lot of the, the things, the stories and stuff make, make us uh, uh, laugh. Uh, of course, obviously, this is our NFL preview, but real quickly, and I'll get your thoughts on some uh, Notre Dame uh, talk and some NFL talk before we uh, got to move on down down the road, mosey on down the road. But Scott Dixon, Will Powell, Ryan Ray, uh, Soto, uh, Graham Rahal, uh, Felix Frogenfest, and James Hinchcliffe, Round out the top ten in standings as we roll into championship uh, season, if you will. And I think you could pretty much omit all of those batters from the Associated Talks. I think pretty much every driver that you mentioned is secure for 2020. Um, there was some talk that maybe the results weren't there for Rosenquist. They might give him a quick uh, boot out like they did Ed Jones last year, but I think Ganassi is very clear. This is the guy that they wanted from year one, even last year, the year they went with Jones instead. So I think he is safe, at least for another season. However, though, if he struggles again in 2020, I think Rosenquist could be in question. And uh, like I said with Hinchcliffe, well, I'd be curious to see what the McLaren deal does for putting him maybe close to the front. Uh, granted, uh, he's also hit a little bit of a wall here the last few months. And uh, I think a uh, guy that I think would be eager for this McLaren uh, acquisition, I'd say, would be James Hinchcliffe. And maybe one final chance to probably give him a boost to see if he can get further up on the uh, roster and as far as uh, challenging not just the race wins but the championships. Absolutely. Uh, Hinchcliffe is certainly one of my personal favorites. Uh, we've talked to him on the show. We've talked to him at the track. And congratulations to him uh, uh, over the past week or so. I know he tied the knot uh, with his lovely uh, bride there and some awesome pictures uh, that they shared on Instagram and Twitter. So congratulations to James Hinchcliffe on uh, getting married and uh, starting that chapter of his life. But, yeah, you know, you're right. I, 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 I root for the guy and certainly um, – Remember back when he was just hurt, unbelievably almost died at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Had to see him make a comeback. So as a fan, he's one of my, my personal favorites. Uh, so I'm rooting for him. So I hope that this McLaren uh, deal uh, works out. Well, hey, you know, really, we've got a couple more minutes with you here. And we got to move on down the road because it's our NFL preview. Uh, we are going to have a, a Rick Riggin on later on, our official college football contributor. I know you know uh, uh, Rick, too, and he's a – big Notre Dame blogger and follower, but uh, bring us into the fold of uh, up there in South Bend with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. You know, you said last week or the week before, 
that you thought Notre Dame was highly overrated. Well, <laughs> they are every year, but they have a schedule every do. year that seems like. Pardon me? I still do. Yeah. So go I ahead. Did. Let's. Uh, I, I, we're, we're fourteen. Day, we're fourteen just, days away from. We're fourteen days away from the start of the college football season. Uh, what do you, what What are your thoughts on Notre Dame and college football? And what are your thoughts on uh, 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 Sweeney and his comments this week as well? Robo Sweeney, I'm sorry, go ahead. You've got a, a lot of potential with this roster, but that's the thing, though. I mean, you have uh, Chase Claypool at wide receiver coming off an injury. You're wondering uh, who is there uh, with as far as possibilities at the wide receiver spot beyond him. Uh, Brock Wright is also a little bit coming off of being banged up last year at tight end. Um, Tony Jones Jr. same at running back, and uh, you have a couple new calls on the offensive line. And then, uh, obviously, now that the pressure is solely on Ian Book, and he handled that pressure, so you got to buckle under it. So I think there's pressure at offense. And then defensively, I mean, you have uh, Julian Akwara there on the defensive line, but you have question marks, I'd say, at linebacker, where you're bringing in, you know, a guy that's got potential in Shane Simon, but can he be the same, you know, force like Drew Franklin was, uh, Jerry Tillery, et cetera. And then at the back, uh, yes, Kyle Hamilton's had a great uh, fall camp, but uh, not always does a great fall camp turn into a great season. And, of course, obviously uh, that uh, secondary uh, death's been also been cut. Uh, sounds like uh, Devin Allen is going to transfer, so that's another player that they lose from uh, the death of that secondary. So uh, be very curious to see uh, how things go for them. But uh, to say that they are a lock for the college football playoff, I would say absolutely not. But you still have to find a way to beat Georgia. You still have to find a way to beat Michigan. And even some of the games at home, i say the Stanford, the USC, et cetera, those games are no gimmicks. Well, you know, right there also in your backyard is Ann Arbor, and that's the the, the big house in Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines. I, I don't know. Every year we say, uh, oh, Jim Harbaugh can make it happen. He seems to fall short every year, and right now I don't see any signs on the radar that that's going to change. Unless you're a Michigan Wolverines fan, you can give me a ton of reasons of why it's going to change. But as you look at and, and, and talk about the uh, – uh, Michigan Wolverines up there in your backyard. What, uh, what are you guys talking about? They have to beat Notre Dame. I think that's the thing that gets the season going and gets them in position. If they lose that ball game, I'd say their chances uh, in the Big Ten are almost next to nothing at this point. Because that tells me if they can't beat a team like Notre Dame, they're going to have trouble against teams like Ohio State and all the other big dogs in the Big Ten. I just That factor in my mind just sticks out like a sore thumb. And, I mean, that's a game that they absolutely have to have uh, to have any realistic chance, I think, of getting anywhere in the season. If they don't get that game, uh, I think their season is literally on the rocks uh, for the rest of the way. And then, I mean, even with that, if they get by, I mean, look at the schedules they have. I mean, they have a very scary game on September 7th against an Army West Point team that is greatly improved. One thing, even though that game's at the big house, that's a game that if they come out flat, they can easily lose that game. Uh, the trip to Penn State is going to be a tough one, and then obviously right after that, the Notre Dame game at home, and then uh, the 
big question is, is can they find a way to beat Ohio State? And even though, yes, Ohio State has a new coach, I still think the things that Urban Meyer planted, the seeds in there, are still present. So that, again, is going to be a game where I still have my doubts as to whether or not they can beat Ohio State. Matthew Ember, appreciate you joining us uh, today, breaking down these breaking news uh, with uh, McLaren, uh, uh, agreeing to a 2020 uh, full-time ride with uh, Schmidt and Arrow and Chevy, dumping Honda there. So we'll see how that, that plays out, and we'll keep in touch with you, obviously, throughout the rest of the season as we get ready to uh, roll into uh, college football season as well. Matthew, where can people find your work in Masterpieces, sir? Twitter is the place to go for me, M-A-T-T-E-M-B-E-M-B-U-R-Y, and uh, big thank you, and uh, obviously, you know, uh, feeling bad for some of my uh, Knoxville Nationals favorites in uh, Paige Poliak, a big crash uh, yesterday, thankfully, walked away on harm of the course, a loss, and uh, for poor Haley White, I mean, we lost been through with the big fun, almost took her life several years ago, had a couple chances to make a big splash uh, this week, and uh, $5 part breaks uh, in the B main. It cost her a chance to get to the A and cost to get into the main show tonight. So tough luck to both of them, but uh, they're two tough little ladies. They'll bounce back. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, Matthew, you have yourself a good weekend. We'll talk with you soon. Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, calling us from WSBT up in South Bend. Also talk a little college football uh, with us, breaking down the breaking news of McLaren. I do apologize. We had a little bit of audio problems there, but sometimes that happens with live radio. But, hey, it's that time. We'll be back with Superfans Adam Jividen and Kyle Courtney talking about their Steelers and their Browns as we get ready for our 2019 NFL preview season. And of course, coming up at 10 o'clock, calling us from the practice field of Philadelphia, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and also our official college football contributor, Rick Riggin, and Mo from the BS Sports Show, all in tow. Stand by. We'll be back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Double the fun at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. See the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. 
Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. All right, welcome back to Balance. Thank you, Matthew Embry, WSVT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor, breaking down that breaking news. McLaren uh, doing a full-time 2020 season uh, next year with IndyCar, uh, Chevy, and Schmidt Motorsports, and Arrows. We'll see how all that plays out. But it's time to kick off our annual NFL preview uh, show. And to help us do that is two super fans, Adam Jividan, super fan of the Browns, and Kyle Courtney, super uh, fan of the Steelers. Adam, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, Tom. How are you, man? Fantastic. And uh, Kyle, we're gonna we're gonna start with you, Kyle Courtney, super fan of the Steelers. First of all, let's just get it off our shoulders. Let's just talk about it. I know he's not a Steeler anymore, but what the hell's going on with Antonio Brown? Oh my God, what a diva! Go ahead. Oh man, I, I think that. that... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just it, the the stories that have come out. You, you kind of wonder at this point how many of those things that Pittsburgh was able to kind of keep under the rug. Uh, but the the stories that have come out just basically in the past I don't know week of him having frostbitten feet from cry from cryotherapy because he didn't wear the right shoes, and then fighting the NFL and the Raiders on wearing the a helmet that he's had for ten seasons. And it's just, it, you kind of sit there and just go, man, the things that the, the, the hills that this guy wants to die on are very low, or just seem just don't make any sense to most people. And that you know, you had quotes coming out from the Raiders camp of people being like, "This is the most bizarre thing we've ever seen." So, you know, you you do wonder at some point, like, is this a health thing at some point, or is he just truly just that big of a diva and doesn't care about it, or is this? like early onset CTE and maybe that helmet was contributing to some of the problems that he's had. Um, but, you know, I, I think that it's, it's been a really quiet camp for the Steelers and I think we can see why. 
<laughs> well, absolutely. And, you know, we don't have time to get into hard knocks. Yeah, you know, I, 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 it's okay. I mean, I think I watched social media after hard knocks, and they're thinking that the, the Raiders are going to be the greatest thing since peanut butter jelly in 2020. I think not. Uh, but I guess, uh, you know, that's that's a well-produced show. It's a good show. But uh, <laughs> They, they put Antonio Brown in a different light than what the rest of us are, are looking at. And I know you guys won your first preseason game over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, what are your thoughts on that uh, as we look down um, this past week uh, starting preseason game? Yeah, it was really good to get – first of all, Devin Bush, uh, was, it was really, really good to see him out there. Um, he had 10 tackles in the, first, uh, in the first half. So he was out there. He was flying around. He was – it wasn't just – you know, on he was doing cut. He was in coverage. He was uh, weaving through the trash to get to running backs behind the line of scrimmage. He hit the quarterback a couple of times. So he he was showing all of the things that made him uh, the a top the, the top ten, the number ten pick and the reason that the Steelers traded up for him. And quite honestly, a lot of those flashes they've really been missing since having Ryan Chazier on the line. Um, he is a rookie. I know he's going to make mistakes. Uh, he, he's not going to be perfect, but I think that that definitely there's there's a lot of of uh, hype surrounding him, and I expect him to be out there week one against the Patriots, uh, manning the middle of that defense. Well, we'll see what we'll the, see what happens. Yeah. Anytime you can beat the the Patriots uh, in week one, that's something. Uh, Adam Jevin, uh, super fan of the Browns. Uh, Adam, I know you and Kyle know each other. We all know each other. We got the band back together. But Adam, uh, what do you got for Kyle regarding the Steelers? I, I mean, Devin Bush is fine. You know, he can he can have ten tackles because at the end of the day he can't cover Odell Beckham. <laughs> Is that some of your uh, your hatred for Michigan uh, feeding through a little bit there? Hey, hey, man, is the only way a Michigan the only way a Michigan player can get worse is if he gets drafted by the Steelers. Ooh, ooh, ooh. right between the rib and the and the heart there. Uh, <laughs> Kyle, you know, you did mention the camp's been kind of quiet, and, you know, last year was the big soap opera of it all. Mike Tomlinson's got to get control of that locker room. I think he kind of let the uh, – and I'm probably going to get uh, in trouble for saying this, but uh, he let the in the inmates uh, run the asylum. <laughs> Don't come after me, everybody. That's been said a million times. It's a phrase. It's a, it's, it's a phraseology. Uh, but Mike Tomlinson's got to get it together. He's going to be on the hot seat this year. Yeah, and I, I think that Tomlin's leadership has always been very much uh, giving the players agency over the culture that they want to create. So he's always he's always looked at, at the team as if you want to create if you want to create a really good environment here, then everybody has to kind of buy into that. And coming in when he did, you know, 14 years ago, he had a very veteran locker room that had a very good culture in place. And instead of coming in and trying to put his stamp on all that, a lot of times he's like, look, I'm going to let you guys do what you're going to do. And that had worked really, really, really well for a long time until you had a few players like Bell and, and Brown that took that line and that freedom and made it go pretty far in the other direction. So you, you have these cases, but if you look at the history of him as a coach, um, most everybody lo- loves playing for him because of the fact that he does give them the freedom to be able to do that. But he also expects a high level of, of play and success for them when they're on the field. Obviously the last few seasons, they've, they've, they've had a pretty good run. Um, last season, they ended not quite how they wanted to, but I mean, they've, they've, they've seen a long line of success with that type of leadership, but I agree with you. Um, 
if they struggle a lot this season, then I, he did get a single year extension, but I mean, I think we know everything that coaching contracts don't mean anything. Um, they, they, if he, they're not seeing the amount of success that they want to see out of him, I wouldn't be shocked to see him out the door. But I, but I also think that Tomlin is very heavily tied to Ben Roethlisberger and Kevin Colbert. When all, I think all three of them are going to leave when, con, when um, Ben's contract is done and walk away and let the Steelers kind of go through a new leadership process. So while I understand him being on the hot seat, there's also this feeling of letting Ben finish his career before you move on to a new coach. You know, we only got you here for a limited amount of time. I appreciate you jumping on with us, uh, Kyle. Uh, But all joking aside, I mean, when you look at this Devin Bush, and you look at him on film and you look at what he's been able to do, I mean, it looks to me like the Steelers are putting a lot of stock in Devin Bush. Do you think they made the right move for trading up to get him? I think they did. It was an issue that they had last season that they weren't able to really – they weren't able to get somebody on uh, an athletic inside linebacker. Um, not having Shazier as that true playmaker in the middle of the field it is, is a role that, you know, Ryan or Troy Palomalu had played before him, did this sideline to sideline guy that can literally just, that can wreck uh, offensive game plans. They didn't have that last season. So having that really athletic middle inside linebacker to, to force teams to really consider how they're going to attack you, somebody that's really fast, can go after, uh, can be a run stuffer, can be really good in coverage against tight ends, which is something that they've had a lot of, lot of issues with. Um, yeah, I think that it's, it's really important for them to – they gave up a lot of draft capital to, to get him, but I think when you have a massive need and there's a talent there that fits your scheme – that just fills that need. You, you you give what you need to in order to get it. So I I think as long as he doesn't get injured, he's very well going to be in the conversation for defensive player of the year because he's going to get or defensive rookie of the year. Um, he has a, he'll have a lot of opportunities uh, to succeed. He's going to ma- uh, get a whole lot of tackles, probably a few turnovers, and so I expect him to have a really really good season barring injury. Another rookie that you guys picked up, uh, finally, we'll give us a final word here. Uh, Justin Lane, quarter, uh, cornerback, obviously uh, uh, having his own injury issues, but uh, uh, all, a lot of eyes are on him as well. Yeah, he, he struggled a little bit yesterday. Um, I know that he's, he's, he's a little bit of a project, quite honestly. He did, he did start uh, at, in uh, Michigan State as a wide receiver. So then they transitioned him to a corner. So he's still learning the position. He's still learning the nuances associated with it. Um, I, I don't, they really don't want him to play very much, even though he had a third round uh, pick on him this year. I don't think that they expect him to play a whole lot this season. They have a lot of depth in front of him. Um, I think next season is what they're expecting him to really step up and, and start playing a little bit more nickel corner and, and being a little bit better in that role. Uh, I believe that's, that's kind of what they see him as his, his uh, essential position to start with. And that's where that used to be a, a kind of a throwaway position. Now with so many uh, three wide receiver sets, everyone's running 11 and 12 consistently. You need to have a really, really good uh, nickel corner to match up against some of those uh faster shifty guys in the middle and tight ends on the outside so yeah i I expect him to be really good next year (laughs) 
Kyle Corny, super uh, fan of the Steelers. We always appreciate you jumping on. Hope you have a good season, and hopefully uh, we will be able to have you back on before uh, you don't win the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. And, Adam, all, all right. the best to the Browns. I, I expect a whole lot of really good things from them, just hopefully not two games a year against the Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> And drop Mike and he's out. Adam Jimmy. <laughs> Adam, uh, I tell you what, what a win. You, you, I mean, uh, you guys, it's only preseason. I mean, you could have took it easy on, on the Redskins. Come on. Are you are you trying to make a statement? Are you trying to make a point? Should we just go ahead and give you the Lombardi and call it a season? You know, I, I think they actually needed to come out and make a statement. There's been a lot of, you know, after the Odell Beckham trade, after the draft, uh, everybody was saying the Browns are the next big thing. And then the more time went on in the offseason, the more people just kind of went, well, it's the same old Browns. And I don't know if they can trust Freddie Kitchens, their new coach. And I, I don't know if it's – and so I think I think you've got a lot of guys in that locker room that are frankly just kind of tired of getting disrespected. And so they wanted to come out and make a statement. And so they dominated in every facet of the game. I mean, to score – uh, a 92-yard touchdown on your opening drive in seven plays without two of the best receivers in the NFL and just making it look easy. And then uh, to get, you know, they get a pick six and then they get a, a punt return for a touchdown. I, I mean, they had to, they, they said, you know, we're going to, we're going to go out and we're going to control all three assets aspects of the field and that's exactly what they did and I think this is one of those I think they expect to dominate every preseason game and then you know we'll hit the regular season uh the start of the schedule is is a little challenging but if they can start off uh you know three and one uh I I think they're going to be off to the races because the back half of the schedule um get significantly lighter in the pants, if you will, with some games against against teams that, especially by the end of the season, should be out of it. I, I think for the Browns, this is just going to be a matter of, of do they stay healthy? Uh, there's just so much talent on that team. And then to get guys like Greedy Williams and Mac Wilson well below their, their draft uh, estimate in the second round, late in the second round, and then the fifth, I mean, you, you just you you can't you can't make this stuff up where they're just like the luck has been on the Browns lately. So you know they they wanted to come out, they wanted to make a statement, they wanted to show everybody we're not going to be taken lightly. Of course, there again, it's a lot of people like to call preseason pretend football. I know it means a lot more to the team itself. But, yeah, it is good to get out there and make a statement. Talking about making a statement, let's talk about Nick Chubb. Obviously, Nick Chubb is a very productive, underpaid player. Not this year. We're not seeing a whole lot. But, uh, you know, it could come in the future. Where do we look at with Nick Chubb, his productivity with the team? And he is underpaid. Well, I mean, he's on a rookie contract. So, I mean – any any rookie that outperforms their slot is technically underpaid. You don't start really looking at, at at contract extensions until they've only got about a year left on their contract. So, I mean, 
I, I think that the Browns will take care of Chubb when the time comes. Um, there's actually a lot of talk already in Cleveland about a lot of the, the big-name players already talking about taking less than their, than their position would typically require just so that they can stay together. It's a very and, – and, and that's headlined by Baker. Um, it's a very New England-y feel if they can get that to happen and keep – Baker Mayfield and Odell and Jarvis and Nick Chubb and Denzel Ward and Jarvis Landry and Greedy Williams and Miles Garrett. And I mean, the list just goes on. So uh, if they can do that, then guys are taking less because they want to win. Um, That changes everything. But I think they they will take care of Chubb. I know that, that Baker has actually helped Nick Chubb get, uh, He's he's lined up a few local endorsements for him because Nick is not a uh, someone that is wanting to do uh, endorsements on a regular basis. But Baker has they've started some local deals, uh, contracts, and things like that together. So uh, I think I think that I don't think you have to worry about Chubb. Chubb just wants to go play football. <laughs> well, football he will play, and he will play along Baker Mayfield and a lot of other. Uh, what we know to be is either potentially really good superstars or those that have proven themselves to be superstars in the NFL are now all on the on the Browns. Uh, how does how how does uh, Hugh Jackson uh, keep it all reined in? As we talked a little bit about uh, uh, last year's Pittsburgh Steelers and the uh, soap poppers that that reign, and that's what happens when you have a lot of big personalities with a lot of big egos, a lot of big contracts, and a lot of nobody ever telling them no. So you've got that potential to happen. How does Hugh Jackson not get that firecracker lit so that the 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 big super mega stars, along with the potential super mega stars like Baker, Baker Mayfield? Uh, Nick Chubb, for example, I, that's going to come colliding if it's not reined in properly. How does Hugh Jackson control the locker room uh, to have a productive season so that the attention is on the wins like you guys had? You did make a statement and build on that, but certainly uh, we saw in, in – it's not isolated to the Browns, uh, but because it was the Browns and because it, it, there were so many big – news around the Browns right now. You guys are getting a lot of national attention, and we saw tempers flare uh, in, in camp and practice, so Hugh Jackson's got to kind of keep it reined in. How's he do that? Well, for one, Hugh Jackson got fired last year because he was horrible. Worst coach in NFL history. How does Freddie Kitchens handle it? Um, I think Oh, Freddie... my God, I'm so stupid. But go ahead. <laughs> I think, I think Freddie, did, Freddie went out and did something smart. Um, first off, tempers. He was that was was my mind. I just, I just, I'm so used to saying Jackson with the brass, so my my sword. (laughs) Kill me now. Go ahead. Um, but but you know, tempers always flare. You're never allowed on the show again, Adam. Never again are you allowed on the show again. I'm kicking you out for the (laughs) fantasy team, too, by the way. Go ahead. I'm just playing with you. Uh, but yeah, no, no, I mean, temper, tempers always flare in training camp. Um, teams are tired of hitting each other, so but they want to hit somebody, so they always flare up. Uh, Freddie did something I've never seen. As soon as Tempers flared up, he said, that will lose us a game. He made everybody run gassers. 
and he just set the tone. The other thing that's, that's been smart that Freddie did is he brought in experienced coaches across the board. Steve Wilkes, defensive coordinator, was a longtime defensive coordinator for the Panthers, uh, head coach last year for the Cardinals, who kind of got a raw deal. Um, and then you have – they brought in um, Todd Monken, offensive coordinator for Tampa Bay, who a lot of people don't realize. Tampa Bay had a top-five offense last year. Then he also brought in James Campen from uh, Green Bay to run the off- to run the offensive line, Adam Henry, uh, the former LSU um, wide receivers coach who's been in the league now for a few years, uh, was Odell and Jarvis's wide receivers coach, is running that room. So I think the thing is, is when you have coaches that know how to respect players and know how to really read a locker room, which is what we have, I don't think that's gonna, you're really going to worry about that. You couple that with veterans that um, really do like each other. Um, they like Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is an amazing leader. But then you also have guys like Joe Thomas the all-world, all-time offensive tackle that, that works, um, doesn't get paid for it, but, but basically still hangs out at the Browns' facility. Um, he loves working with the offensive line, trying to help them get better. So, you know, when you have those kind of presences around the locker room, that is what can really make when you see big personalities, those guys all buy in together. And when it's headlined by a big personality like Baker, and Baker just controls the room, and anywhere you've ever heard, whether it was Oklahoma or last year with the Browns, it was this guy is the, the consummate leader. That was, that was the thing that stood out for him. He's just going to, he's going to primarily help run and manage that, uh, that locker room. And despite whatever Colin Cowherd wants people to think, Baker Mayfield isn't some idiot frat boy. So I, I, I don't think that's going to be a problem. You've got a lot of dudes that, yes, they have big personalities, but they want to win, and they want to win bad. Well, certainly they have the potential to do it with Odell Beckman Jr. We haven't really talked a lot about him being there other than just, you know, that he's there. Uh, what, what's he look like in camp, or, or is, is there a good chemistry between Baker and Odell Beckman? Uh, Jr. also, I mean, the, the partner crime there is Jalen Strong. How is uh, Baker uh, Mayfield doing as far as chemistry in camp and getting that together so that they're all on – in sync on the same page, and I would think that would be a little bit more difficult with Odell Beckman Jr. than, than Jalen Strong. Well, even with even with uh, when, when Baker was in college, Baker's senior year in Oklahoma, he actually worked out with Jarvis when Jarvis was with Miami and with Odell when Odell was with New York. They all worked out together in the summertime. Um, so they've actually been working out together, and they worked out together last year. They've been working out together for a few years, and then it just so happened that they all came together on the same team. So I don't think that's going to be a problem. Jarvis and Odell were, um, were roommates. And then you just throw in a lot of the other depth. You know, uh, Rashad Higgins had a really good first preseason game, which just continued on how he ended the year last year. He's the third receiver. David Njoku is continuing to make good steps in his progression and his development at tight end. Um, they have a slew of a host of other guys. Antonio Callaway, when he comes back from a suspension, um, as you had mentioned, Jalen Strong, they brought over, who's just that like six five, just big bodied receiver. Uh, they brought him in. You see um, Derek Willies, who was an undrafted free agent last year, but is an absolute burner. He's having a good camp. 
the thing is, is when you have a quarterback like Baker, everybody has a good camp. Um, and then Odell just makes everyone better. The one thing that's been praised um, is his work ethic. He is always the first person there in that wide receiver room, last one to leave. Every day after practice, he takes uh, before and after practice, he takes a hundred balls off the jug machine and catches it one-handed. Those, those one-handed catches he makes aren't a full. Well, that's that's, that's because that's his signature. That's his thing. <laughs> it is his thing, but it's his thing. I mean, really, honestly, we joke about it, but that's really what everybody who does is not really a big sports fan knows. Well, about Man Jr., that's the guy with the Giants that caught the the touchdown with one hand. So, yeah, he's like yeah. the drummer well, with Def Leppard with one with arm one arm. Go ahead. <laughs> and he does that, but but the thing is, is that those one handed catches are 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 like wow, but those would be incompletions with other receivers, but they're not because Odell practices them and he works his butt off in the off season to make those catches. So you know, I I don't I just I think you're going to see a more focused and a more determined Odell than we've ever seen from New York because Eli, Eli's so at the end of his career, he should have retired two years ago, but he's, he's hung on. Um, so, you know, I, I just think that'll be, that, that'll be, uh, I, I expect, I expect lower potentially yardage numbers from Odell this year. Um, just because of the, the the host of other receivers around him, um, but I think you're going to have more uh, more touchdowns. Like I'm thinking, he's probably going to get between 15 and 16 touchdowns, um, just because they they can't double team them anymore. Like you can't double team anyone on this offense, otherwise you're going to get burned. Well, I can tell you one thing: uh, your center, J. Uh, 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 J. C. Treader. I'm sorry, your center, uh, obviously a veteran, uh, drafted in 2003 by, by the Packers, been around for a while. Uh, picture went out on Twitter this uh, past week of him giving Bakerfield a, a a big hug, and so they seem to have the good chemistry there. And I think that's important when you have an experienced uh, center like that, like J. C. Treader. But I, I guess the bigger question about Baker Bayfield: What's going on with the stash? Hey man, Baker loves to have fun, and it's, it's not just—it's not just Baker. It's like the whole off the, the whole quarterback room are wearing these like '80s Tom Selleck mustaches. And I, you know what? I'm here for it. I've got—I'm growing out—I'm growing out the Baker beard. So whenever he decides to come back, we're ready for him. <laughs> The Burt Reynolds uh, 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 Boogie Nights stash. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Adam Jividan, Super Browns fan. Adam, uh, looking ahead to week one uh, coming up here in just a few short weeks. Uh, uh, and, of course, Ohio State Buckeyes. We'll, let's, let's get your uh, thoughts on both of that. Uh, week one of the Ohio State Buckeyes and week one of the Cleveland Browns. Well, so we'll start with the Browns just staying, staying here. I think, you know, against the Titans, um, I expect – I just don't think Tennessee has the offensive firepower to stay up with them. I know that they're a good defense. Tennessee is one of those teams that kind of just wears on you as the season goes on. Well, when everybody's fresh, I think they're going to come out. I think they're going to be – the Browns are going to be hyper-focused and continue to try to make a, a statement to the league. I would say something in the vein of, and I think Miles Garrett is going to, Miles Garrett is going to wreak havoc, especially if Taylor Lewan, who's appealing his suspension, um, if Taylor Lewan's not out there, good luck. 
Miles Garrett's gunning for the the defensive player of the year award this year. And a man built like that, when he's been that motivated for about eight months, uh, good luck. Uh, I think the Browns are going to win, we'll say, uh, 34-13. As far as Ohio State goes, under it's a new year under Ryan Day. Um, No one has a clue what to expect out of Justin Fields. He's incredibly hyper-talented. Could be the best quarterback in the Big Ten, but we have no idea. Um, I think the defense is going to be a lot better this year. Um, brought in several new coaches, uh, Jeff Halfley, who came from the NFL, um, Greg Madison, who came from that school up north, uh, are going to be running the show defensively. I think they're going to make shore up a lot of our issues that we had last year um, under Greg Schiano. I think Schiano just ran way too complicated of a scheme. Um, and then we're playing FAU and the fighting Lane Kiffins. Uh, Lane's already been running his mouth. I expect Ryan Day to look at uh, – look across the field and, and just be like, this is, this is what you get for just endlessly talking. And I think Ohio state will win something like 59 to like 17, like they'll get an early touchdown and a late touchdown to make it look like they actually, you know, scored a little bit, but that's about it. Well, joining us also is our official college football contributor. Uh, Adam, I, I know we're, we come to the end of our, our segment with you, but are you, do you want to stick around or do you got to go? I have to go. I can, I can be on longer next week, but, yeah, I got to get going here today. All right. We'll talk with you soon, sir, and have yourself a good week. And thanks for jumping on with us. All right. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. Adam Jevedan, super uh, fan of the of the Cleveland Browns. Kyle Courtney also joined the super uh, fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, joining us now is our official college football contributor. We do got to take a break, but real quickly, welcome back to college football, Rick Riggin. How is you, sir? Hey, pretty good. And I was going to tell Adam before he left is we don't oh. know much about Ohio State just yet, so just uh, watch out for the uh, fighting owls in the lane train of Florida Atlantic because we don't know what we're going to get just yet. Hey, uh, you know, we had uh, Matt Embry on earlier uh, talking IndyCar, but he uh, chimed in a little bit on Notre Dame. He says Notre Dame is highly overrated this year. What are your thoughts? Uh, I'm probably going to have to somewhat agree. I'm going to have to agree on that. We're going to have to do a whole segment here shortly about Notre Dame. I don't know what it's going to be today, but – I'm kind of with him. We'll, we'll get into that conversation. We've got to take a break. We'll be back. Ed Kraft is also going to be joining us from the practice field of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to be uh, talking uh, uh, NFL, and we'll also be talking some college football uh, with Rick Riggins. So stick around. We'll be right back. Tonight. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, 
and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like... Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal art. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. All right, welcome back to the Bounce One Hour in the Books. Thank you to Matthew Embry, uh, official IndyCar contributor, talking with us about the breaking news of McLaren uh, coming back full time uh, in 2020 with IndyCar, uh, and obviously uh, breaking up with Honda, joining up with uh, Chevy uh, and Schmidt Motorsports and in Arrow. Also, uh, Kyle Courtney, Super uh, Steelers fan, joins us. Uh, talk with us a little bit about the, the Steelers and. We're going to get into this Antonio Brown conversation here in just a moment. And uh, Adam Jividen, super Browns fan, talking about Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckman, and getting things kicked off. And joining us also is our official uh, college football contributor, uh, Rick Riggin. And joining us from the practice fields of, in Philadelphia, Philadelphia Eagles training camp, Ed Kratz. Ed, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm great, Tom. Beautiful day, about 75, 76 degrees, bright sun here in Philadelphia. Eagles are uh, in full pads, but they don't seem to be doing a whole lot of hitting so far. Well, you know, last time we had you on and you were on the field, down there at the field, uh, uh, we heard an interception by Carson Wentz. Hopefully it doesn't happen. Hopefully we're not bad luck uh, for Carson Wentz. Uh, Rick, uh, Rick and, uh, joins us as well, our official college football contributor. We're going to be getting into college football talk, but uh, obviously this is our NFL preview show, so we're a lot of focus on NFL. But real quickly, I want to get your thoughts, uh, Rick, on the latest comments uh, from Dabo Sweeney. Says Kelly ain't getting no ring, got to be on the team. Paul Feinbaum says that's going to hurt them. Go ahead. What are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, I kind of agree with him. I mean, Kelly Fine did do a lot for them, uh, especially the year before last, before he left last year. But you do have to be on the team to get the ring. You can't just be on the team for four games and only play in two of the games and expect to get the championship ring. Because Clemson did a lot of work 
with uh, Trevor Lawrence and Todd Kelly Bryant left until win the national title this year. So I agree with him, and I just want to add one more thing here. It's just being back on the show uh, with you guys and, and Ed Kratz, uh, the show now reeks of romance and fear. So that's what we want for the rest of the day. <laughs> no, that's 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 just that's just rare steak and aged whiskey. That's all. That's all that is. <laughs> right. <laughs> and let's let's get on let's get on this little diva soapbox. I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch uh, uh, Hard Knocks. I, I did. It's okay. I think they certainly uh, you know they put John Gruden in the good light. They made the. The Oakland Raiders look like they're going to be the next Super Bowl champion. Antonio Brown's not a diva. And then, you know, now we see, I'm not coming back if I can't have my helmet. This is the most ridiculous story and most proven story that this proves that Antonio Brown is the biggest diva. What are your thoughts about Antonio Brown saying, if I can't wear my helmet, I'm going home? (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, Antonio Brown is a diva. Um, But I'll say, Tom, you know, look. Uh, it's probably not a popular opinion, but, you know, if the guy wants to wear his helmet, let, let him wear his helmet. I mean, there's so such a big emphasis on the head injuries, and you know, if the guy feels comfortable wearing an older style helmet, just let him. I mean, I don't understand the big deal. I mean, if he's feeling protected and safe in his helmet, then let him wear his helmet. Um, you know, I don't know if it should be this big of a deal, but, yeah, just let the guy wear his helmet. But, you know, he is kind of a diva. I think most receivers, a lot of receivers anyway, are divas. Uh, you know, they're skilled position guys. But, you know, Antonio Brown just takes it to, to the next level. Uh, so while I disagree with, you know, some of uh, the things he does and says, uh, I don't necessarily disagree with him on the helmet thing. Let the guy wear his helmet. If it makes him feel safe and secure, then go ahead, get his helmet. What's the big deal? Well, I guess probably from the NFL standpoint, they, they've they've been under fire so much because of these head injuries and these concussions that, 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 that people are having issues, you know, later on in life. Uh, that they've developed this new helmet, and they said this is the helmet you're going to use based on the information that we know uh, from our people that are way smarter than I am, that this is going to protect them more than the other helmet. And so then what happens when, okay, go ahead and wear your helmet, and then he retires in three or four years, and now he's suing the league for, for head injuries. I mean, so let, I let see him sign a waiver. NFL let him sign, let him, yeah, let him sign a waiver. You know, it's a player's choice. Uh-huh. Hey, you want to wear your helmet? Sign this. We're not liable for you wearing your helmet. How about that? Case closed. Rick, Rick, and what, Rick, Rick, and what are your thoughts on Antonio Brown and his uh, helmet holdout? <laughs> well, when I first heard it, I just thought that was the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And then somewhere in Pennsylvania uh, – you see the Steelers uh, just smiling down, you know, from the heavens, basically, because of all this going on with the Raiders now. But uh, listen to the Ed talk about it now. I agree with Ed. Uh, you know, that, that makes total sense. I, I agree with that. And let the man just wear his helmet. He likes his old helmet. He's comfortable with it. Just wear it. I will say it's going to make Hard Knocks Radio interesting spot. because I thought, this, I thought this uh, first episode of Hard Knocks was pretty boring. But, see, we had yeah. good injuries with Antonio Brown, but nobody knew in this first episode how he got the injuries. Now this cryotherapy thing has come up, along with the this helmet issue. Now, now we got a storyline to go for uh, to go on for Hard Knocks. Well, I thought yeah. Hard Knocks was good, and I mean Hard Knocks is what it is. And I have to admit that I'm not a seasoned Hard Knocks watcher. I've only been watching it for the last uh, couple of years, but. 
it's well it's well produced. I saw it did a really good job on 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 uh, showcasing Gruden and Carr, uh, but I I don't know that it was. I'm I just don't know that it didn't it didn't light a fuse with me, if you will. It was okay. It was just it was just okay. Uh, Ed, what are your thoughts, Hard Knocks uh, uh, coming yeah, out? Yeah, you know, this I, week? I, I I was ready to watch it the next day. You know. Uh, you know, replay it on demand, and uh, but all I heard was how boring it was, and uh, so I, it kind of took some of the steam out of it for me, and I decided not to watch it. But you know, I'm sure that you know Gruden and Mike Mayock probably had a talk with the team, saying, "Look, we're we're not going to give them much. You know, we're going to be very guarded in our comments and uh, and how we are in front of these cameras because uh, if that's all they had to go on was they just basically I heard followed the uh, safety around the rookie Jonathan Abram." Um, you know, and if that's really all they had with all the, uh, you know, the drama and the situations going on out there with Antonio Brown and Derek Carr, and, uh, you know, I you hope that it gets better uh, and gets a little more compelling. Um, but I'll probably watch it at some point uh, just because, you know, I feel like as a, you know, an NFL sports writer, it's kind of my job to watch that stuff. Um, but if I was a fan and I heard it was boring, I probably wouldn't tune into it. I, I don't know. Uh, you're right, though. It is well-produced typically, but they need to increase the, uh, the drama and some of the storylines, I think. Reminds me a lot of the old NFL films in, 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 a, in, a, in, a, in a weird kind of sort of way. Uh, let's, let's move on into the Eagles uh, talk. Uh, you know, uh, there was uh, some interesting conversation in pressers this week uh, with, with Coach uh, Peterson about, the, about Colin Ka- uh, Patrick. Uh, Patrick. Uh, here we go again. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, Colin with, Kaepernick, with yeah. Yeah, Kaepernick. There we go. Thanks, Rick. Uh, with Nate Sutfield obviously going to be out for the next six to eight weeks, uh, Peterson has repeatedly said that the Eagles are moving ahead with uh, Cody Kessler. But when he asked uh, directly by one of the, the press members there uh, if that was on the table, he said, I don't know if I can speak to Colin Kapatrick as a quarterback. I'm more focused on the guys that we're building right now. Um, uh, I can't remember the rest of the quote, but basically it would have to start with an evaluation process. So, first of all, Sut fell out. What are your thoughts? What's going on there? What's the talk behind the scenes there with the Philadelphia Eagles? Uh, well, Doug is going to talk to us today after practice, so, you know, we'll, we'll grow him a little bit more on the whole backup quarterback thing. But, you know, Colin Kirkpatrick, Wait a minute. Kaepernick. Jeez, you got me doing it. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that's good. Put your head. Kick, get it out. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you. Uh, but anyway, Kaepernick, I don't think he's going to be coming to Philadelphia. In fact, I can tell you pretty much 99.99% he's not coming here. Nate Sudfeld. Oh, you're saying there's a chance. Today. <laughs> uh, saying, well, there's always a chance. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a 100% guy, you know. Uh, yeah. But Sudfeld is here today. He had surgery yesterday on the broken bone in his uh, left wrist. It's the non-throwing wrist. Uh, and I saw a report from Adam Schefter that he's only going to be out six weeks. Now, uh, if that is the case, and again, we'll find out more right from Doug's mouth today. If it is six weeks, that puts him on track to uh, be available for the September 26th game in Green Bay, which I think is the fourth game of the season. So you really have to hope Wentz stays healthy for three weeks, which I think he will. Um, and they're just going to stay the course here with Cody Kessler, uh, who, you know, has some <laughs> definitely room for some improvement. And Clayton Thorson just looks, you know, the rookie from Northwestern looks like a mess. Uh, you know, he hasn't had a good camp. He had a horrible 
first game. But again, he's a rookie. Peterson said, you know, I was a rookie once and, you know, I was a little uh, shaken out there and I was erratic with my throws and it took him a little while to get his feet on the ground. But, you know, we'll see if Thorson's able to do that. Now, you know, the, the concern for me is getting through preseason with just two, really two quarterbacks. Because, you know, Carson Wentz won't play more than, you know, two or three series uh, over these final three games. Um, so are you going to just ride two quarterbacks? Or what if one gets hurt? Then you're kind of playing one guy a whole game. And, and then what if he gets hurt? So they really do need to, I think, uh, add another arm. Um, you know, it won't be Kaepernick. I doubt it will be Sam Bradford. It probably has to be a guy who's comfortable coming in, knowing that he's only going to have a job for about three weeks and then be unemployed again but just somebody that they can kind of uh, throw out there uh, in these preseason games so uh, Kessler and Thorson don't have to you know, go the whole way uh, and risk injury. So uh, I don't know if there's anybody out there that is willing to do that. Maybe, you know, uh, Matt McGloin, I don't know what he's doing, or Joe Callahan I think was picked up Where, by somebody. Where's, but... uh, where's Jimmy Clawson these days? <laughs> I don't know. I think he sent me an insurance quote the other day, but I'm not sure. Right. Uh, <laughs> he might be the guy. He can come in for three weeks. Oh, yeah. There's some talk about possibly Josh Johnson, uh, you know, who was, I think, in the NFL two years ago with the Redskins. Um, but, again, you know, these are just guys that uh, are really just guys that are going to be camp arms for the final three games. I don't think they're going to make anything of an impact move with a Bradford or a Kaepernick. I think they're just going to stay the course with what they have. Sudfeld's coming back. I mean, even if it's an eight-week injury uh, or seven-week injury, it brings him back in early October. And, again, you know, you really have to hope Wentz uh, can stay upright for that amount of time. And, and again, I think he will, and I think the Eagles believe he will, but you just don't know. Hey, uh, Ed, uh, you know, you guys are coming off of a a pretty significant loss, 27-10, against the Titans. Again, it's preseason, and and those that aren't in the industry and that aren't on a team or aren't part of a team maybe like to call the preseason pretend football doesn't really mean anything. Uh, But we were talking earlier with Adam Jevedin, a big uh, Brown super fan, about their win against the Washington Redskins and the statement that that makes uh, to to the community or the world, if you will, that the Browns are there. Are the Titans making a statement against a, a former Super Bowl champion of the Eagles, or is it just pretend football preseason? It doesn't really matter. What, what are yeah, your takeaways from the loss? Make, yeah, well, I mean, I don't think you really make any statements in preseason. You know, I, I think the Patriots one year they won the Super Bowl. They won 0-4 in the preseason. Uh, the Eagles didn't dress 17 players that are going to be, uh, you know, a big part of this team. Obviously, Wentz didn't play Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, Malcolm Jenkins. You know, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cars, you can just go down the line. Their whole starting uh, team did not play. So it was more just kind of a test for the backup guys. Now, one of the concerns that, that my takeaway would be is, you know, so much has been made about the depth on this roster top to bottom and how difficult it's going to be uh, to cut down to 53 players. I, you know, I think some of that might have been exposed a little bit. Uh, you know, some of these D-backs didn't play well. Their pass rush uh, was kind of non-existent from their backups. Um, which is a concern. So the Eagles, they traded for a pass rusher yesterday, Eli Harold, um, who was a third-round pick uh, in 2015. This will be his fourth team in that time, but he's got nine career sacks. He had four for Rick Riggins' Lions last year. Um, So, I mean, the guy can rush the passer. And it was a weird trade because the Eagles traded an undrafted free agent rookie tackle from Penn State to get Eli Harold uh, from the Bills. Um, you know, and Ryan Bates is the tackle they traded for him. So it's kind of weird that and a kid that didn't even get drafted 
was traded for a player with a history of, you know, success in the NFL. So uh, we'll see how Harold does, uh, you know, today's his first day. I'm sure he won't do much, but, you know, he's a guy that adds some depth at that defensive line spot. But as far as to answer your question, Tom, I don't take a lot out of the preseason, not, not with what happened Thursday and really not with that, what happened anywhere across the league. I mean, it's great the Browns won. It's well and good, you know, but really it means nothing. Well, the Colts lost, and I am with you. Means nothing. Uh, yeah, but, but I did like the, yeah, the I did like Jacoby I mean, Brissett. We can. I do want to let's get into the the Colts thing, but real quickly, next uh, next preseason game, you guys go down to Jacksonville. Obviously, that's the home of Jolly O St. Nick. I don't predict that 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 Wentz and uh, uh, Nick will will meet each other on the field as far as in the field of play, but there'll have to be some sort of. Uh, uh, Reunion, if you will, of of congratulating one starter quarterback to another. Yeah, for sure. Um, there'll be a lot of that going on, but I I think that there probably will be an agreement that they'll each play a series. That would be my guess. So we may see Wentz and Foles for one series, and then uh, back to the bench. Maybe Foles goes a little longer. I don't know the situation in Jacksonville. Um, but you know, I mean, Marcus Mariota played a series for the Titans, and, and you know, he's their starter. Uh, you know, he won a series um, Thursday night. So each team approaches these things differently. I know Doug Peterson doesn't give a whole hoot about the preseason, um, as evidenced by who he plays and who he rests. He, he prefers to count on the practices. He works the guys pretty hard in practices, and he says, you know, we really get get our work, our good work out on the uh, practice field, and they get good game film, and he can control things a little better. Where in a preseason game, you really can't control uh, what happens you know, for injuries, for example. But um, I think Wentz really should play a series. I mean, his last time on the field was December 9th against the Cowboys. They lost in overtime, and then they shut him down with a back injury. So, I, you know, I think that it would behoove them to at least get him a series on Thursday. And I think they will. Like I said, I think, uh, you know, him and uh, uh, Peterson and Marone might have a, a gentleman's agreement. Hey, let's play our starters, you know, kind of bring a little juice here, if only for a series. Rick Riggin. You are our official contributor, uh, uh, college football contributor, but we know you're a big Lions fan, so we'll let you play the homer card of the Lions. Talk about preseason statements being made. Uh, it, it just just doesn't feel good, even if it is preseason, even if it isn't, even if it isn't with your starters, and uh, and even if it isn't a, a real game. Maybe it's pretend football, but it's always got a sting when you get a loss, 31 to three. To the team that you used to uh, be the defensive coordinator for, and that's uh, Patricia, uh, obviously losing 31 to three to the New England Patriots. What are your thoughts about the Detroit Lions 2019? Well, you know, you just add that the fact that you know the Lions probably aren't going to win more than like four games this year, and I, I'm still a little salty that they get rid of Jim Caldwell, who did nothing in the playoffs two out of three years for a guy that's going to win them four or five games every year now. So that, that still makes no sense to me. Uh, I've always just kind of been on the fence about Patricia anyway, but I'm leaning towards the old the, the side of the fence that already wants to do away with Matt Patricia because, I don't know, and i, I tell you something else. Maybe the problem is Matt Stafford also. Uh, maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe he, it sounds crazy, I know, but maybe they need to start looking for a different solution at quarterback at some point in the next couple of years. I know he's got that big contract, but he also might be the problem. Crazy as that sounds. And I do think because of the longevity of his career, and he doesn't get injured, he'll have the numbers to get to the Hall of Fame. 
even if he never wins playoff games. But maybe we start looking at the quarterback position at, at, as well. Go ahead, Ed. I, 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 I thought you no, were directing I, a question, I, I, Ed. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah, no, that's that's an interesting point uh, from Rick there. Um, how I don't know how long Stafford's been with the Lions, but, you know, you're right. He hasn't won a playoff game. Maybe the numbers there. I don't know if the numbers alone get you into the Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, I, my frame of reference is with the Eagles, and I know there's some players with numbers that should be in the Hall of Fame but didn't have that postseason success. Guys like Harold Carmichael come to mind, the receiver from the early 70s when the Eagles were winning two, three games every year. Um, but his numbers were off the charts, better than some of the guys in the Hall of Fame. But uh, as far as the Lions and their quarterback, yeah, that's that's an interesting uh, – I guess he's been there eight years now, and I'm not sure of that. It, it's but, been a uh, while. I think he came in the year after they yeah. went 0-16 or something, came in that very next yeah. year. So it's been a long time. Right. Yeah, I think Jim Schwartz was still the head coach there. Um, right. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, you're right. It's been a, a good yeah, I, I like Jim Schwartz, actually, but, you know, he just – <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't you're, know. you're right. That if franchise. You're, if your quarterback's not getting it done for you know a decade, uh, then maybe it is time to uh, you know go in a different direction. Especially, you just can't keep replacing the head coach um, and expect a different result. You know, sooner or later, you have to take a good hard look at that roster, and the roster always starts at the top with the quarterback. Talking with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, and, and uh, footballmaven.io slash Eagles. You can check out his work there. He's calling us live from the practice field at Philadelphia uh, where the Eagles are doing practice. Uh, what's the practice looking like today uh, there, Ed? Well, I was just I was just going to say, get ready for some noise, man. Eagles are in goal line situation, coming right at me. I'm standing right behind the end zone that they uh, went. It's 11-on-11 goal line drill. Um, and Wentz just takes it in for a touchdown off the sweep. You can hear the crowd cheer. I mean, this is happening right in front of me right now. Uh, live goal line drills, uh, full pads. This is good stuff there. Love it. Full access with with Ed Kratz. Uh, obviously, uh, we had a loss to. The, I speak of we. Uh, everybody knows. I mean, the Indianapolis Colts. The Indianapolis Colts had a loss on the road to Buffalo. It was okay. I mean, I, again, we're, we're first. I, I'm going with the fact that because it's a Hummer card with me, it doesn't mean anything. I don't care. But you know. Jacoby Brissett was good, and we're starting to get a little jittery, but local media, Frank Reich, everybody just says that it's okay, uh, but we're seeing now that Luck is going to miss a few more practices. Um, we've got the Browns coming up at home uh, next Saturday. I'll be there. And, of course, we've got the Bears as well before we, we start the season off. Uh, you know, we hear professional medical doctors say that not just with luck, but the calf injury is a tissue type injury. And what happens with that is one injury can beget another if you if you if you rush the healing process. Uh, we'll start with you, Ed. What are your thoughts about Andrew Luck missing even more time uh, with practice? I'm not concerned yet. I'm still uh, hanging on the words of Frank Wright when he says everything will be okay. But, man, we we, we uh, are gun-shy from what we saw a few years ago. Yeah. Um, nice catch by Deshaun Jackson there in the corner. Um, yeah. Uh, well, you know, look, I mean, preseason, there's still three games left. And, again, how many series is he going to play? Um, I you're right, one injury begets another, but uh, you want to really be careful at any position, especially quarterback. And, 
you know, if he's not right, let him get right. I mean, you have two weeks to get right, and, you know, I think he'll be fine. Uh, you know, I've seen Carson Wentz his rookie year. Uh, he played, I think, maybe four snaps his first preseason game as a rookie, broke his ribs, didn't play again, and he ended up being the starter that year and, and did pretty well. So, I mean, uh, you know, I think some of this preseason work can be overrated. I think especially when you're a veteran like Luck, um, you don't want to lose him for the season. I know the, the Eagles take it very uh, slowly with their injured players. Like, we haven't seen Fletcher Cox, who's rehabbing from a foot injury, Derek Barnett. Uh, you know, there's several players that – uh, they're taking it very slowly with Rodney McLeod of safety just because, you know, they're, they're probably close to 100%. Uh, if not 100%, I think McLeod especially could play if the season started tomorrow. But, you know, why? What's to be gained from it? Uh, and that's the same situation with Flock. I know there's a lot of angst in Indianapolis, but I would just say relax. Take a deep breath. Uh, he'll be fine. And, and you want to have him for 16 meaningful games, not one meaningless preseason game. And uh, this is our official 2019 NFL preview. Obviously, we can't get through all of the teams. Next week, we'll be doing our official mock uh, uh, draft for fantasy football uh, talk and gurus. Uh, but as you just look around the league, or is there anything that stands out to you that we should be looking at, uh, who we should be watching, uh, any uh, I's to dot or T's to cross as we go into week two of the preseason? Well, uh you know, I know, you know, the Raiders had a distraction with Antonio Brown, but, uh, you know, and they have the hard knocks, uh, you know, cameras coming through. But, you know, they're, I think, a team to watch uh, once the regular season might get fired up. Um, been talking to some people about how they, they, they like their roster. You know, they have a pretty solid roster. So I don't think they'll win the AFC West, but, you know, they could be a team that can make some noise. Um, the San Diego Chargers are a team that I still like a lot as far as maybe uh, making a good Super Bowl run. Um, in the NFC, uh, you know, it's really kind of anybody's anybody's ball game. I I think the Giants got off to a pretty good start. I know there was some excitement for Daniel Jones, their rookie quarterback, who uh, went, went five for five uh, in his preseason debut. I think a lot of it was some easy passes for him, though. You know, Pat Shermer, as uh, a veteran coordinator, gave him some easy throws. I did think he made one nice throw into the end zone for a touchdown. So. You know, we'll see what happens in New York with Eli Manning and Daniel Jones. That's something to keep an eye on. And then, of course, in Dallas, uh, you know, Ezekiel Elliott still wants the big deal. The Cowboys are singing the praises uh, of their rookie running back, Tony Pollard, saying, hey, he can, you know, he can kind of take over for Elliott. So it looks like things are at a real stalemate down there uh, in Dallas with Elliott. Um, And then we'll see how Dak Prescott can do without uh, their star running back if it comes to it. So, uh, you know, there's some things to keep an eye on. There's just a couple things off the top of my head right there. Well, Ed, we appreciate you joining us. I know you got to get back to, to practice. Uh, Rick will give you the final word with Ed Kratz. Uh, go ahead. Uh, well, I don't really have a final word. I mean, Ed does a fabulous job every time. I was just going to say I agree with him on the the uh, Andrew Luck thing a minute ago. I was going to chime in. I just think it's part maybe he's a little sore, but it's mostly because they're just protecting their future. Uh, we just don't want him seeing getting banged up, taking some kind of silly injury in preseason here. So I think that's all this is with Andrew Luck. I think Derrick Henry, though, is actually the, the uh, calf injury you need to worry about just because of the, that soft tissue injury and, and the position he plays. I think the Titans actually are in a little bit of trouble uh, with that injury that Derrick Henry has. So that's probably going to be the problem. And also with Zeke Elliott. I still think something by week one is going to get done for all three of Mario Cooper's uh, Dak. And uh, Zeke Elliott. 
Well, Zeke Elliott is not getting the money he's going to ask for, so he's going to have to come to, to a compromise. Uh, well, well uh, that much I'm pretty sure that uh, well, uh, I'm just, I'm just saying, though, because uh, you see the top early got and everything. These guys right now, their, their value will never be higher than what it is right now for the rest of their career. Uh, so these next two, three, two or three years, I'm, their, their value is the highest it's going to be. So I do think something will get done. might not be quite what he's asking for, but I, I still think it's going to get done. Oh, I think he'll get a deal, absolutely. I think he'll stay on the team with the Dallas Cowboys. Ed, um, uh, any final words or thoughts or words? That my, we don't want to hold you any longer than, than, than what you promised to stay with us. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, um, yeah, that point about uh, Derrick Henry, yeah, I have to get internal. You know, the Titans are just through here. That Jeremy McNichols, their running back, uh, uh, I think he's a rookie. Uh, he, he did a pretty nice job against the Eagles running the ball and catching the ball. So, I um, mean, you know, I think the Titans are going to be kind of a dangerous team, I do, uh, in the AFC South. Um, and somebody the Colts are going to have to, uh, you know, contend with, obviously. But, uh, yeah, that, that's all. It's good being on with Rick again, though. I'll tell you, I, you know, it's been a while. You got to bring romance and fear to the show, baby. That's right. <laughs> I'm not a big romantic guy, but I, I hear <laughs> At the same time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ed. Uh, we'll let you get back to practice there. I appreciate you giving us a call there uh, from the Philadelphia Eagles practice. So where can people find your work and masterpieces? Yeah, they can hit me at uh, slash eagles and uh, stay tuned for some uh, work announcement coming up here soon. Uh, a little bit of a change um, for the better. So uh, that'll be probably in a, you know, a couple weeks. But uh, right now it's footballmaven.io slash eagles, or you can follow me on Twitter at Kratzy, K-R-A-T-Z-E. Now you can't leave us hanging, man. Come on. You can't leave us hanging. <laughs> I don't say All right, well, I, don't, I, can't really well, say, I can't really say anything yet. All right, sounds good. Have, have yourself okay. a good All weekend, right, thanks, sir. Guys. All right, All right. You bye-bye. Too. Bye-bye. Ed Kratz, street writer for the Philadelphia Eagles footballmaven.io slash eagles. Rick Reagan, our official college football contributor. Rick, we're just going to roll on into this final segment. Mo's going to be joining us here in just a minute. So let's get some college football uh, previews. Yes, sir. Yeah, and um, I just saw your text, by the way. I appreciate that. Um, but, yeah, let's, uh, let's dive into this. Let's, do a, let's just, just do a quick uh, overlook, if you will. Go ahead and end uh, Let's talk a little bit about Notre Dame. That's what your, your true true love is. And then we'll, we'll branch out to the Big Ten, and Mo will be joining us here soon. Well, you know, you mentioned earlier when I first came on, you had, you had, Matthew, you had Matthew Embry on, and he talked about how Notre Dame is probably a little overrated this year, and I actually tend uh, to agree with that. Uh, I mean, they lost some great players from last year, even though they're still really good. They're going to be really good this year. But I would say they're overrated because of the schedule they have to play they're on the road at Michigan on the road at Georgia this all takes place in the first half of the season Notre Dame is going to get through this first half of the year in my belief they're going to have two losses uh I, I hate to say it because of, you know how I feel about Michigan Tom but uh, <laughs> I, I don't see them getting the win at Michigan I I definitely do not see them getting the win at Georgia I just hope they're close games I, I, I can see Notre Dame at the end of the year having two or three losses that should still set them up for possibly a New Year's Six uh, bowl game or one of the really good bowl games, but a playoff appearance uh, back-to-back years, I don't see it. And plus, really bad news a couple of days ago, their starting tight end, Cole Komet, broke his collarbone. He's going to be out six to eight weeks. That's going to put him 
you know, towards the middle of the season or a little bit beyond before he can get back. So I know they're considered to be tight end you. You know, they have all the great tight ends, but we lost our starting tight end already, and now the guys behind him are going to step up. And this guy, uh, Cole Komet, that bailed us out, bailed Ian Book out a lot last year, making great plays, and now we're not going to have him for half the season. Well, uh, college football officially opens up August 24th, so uh, we'll in the future here we will be having a college game day show where we break down all of the uh, happenings of week one of college football. Nobody hates Michigan more than Notre Dame other than the Ohio State fans. <laughs> but let's look into uh, Michigan, Jim Harbaugh. And, you know, I just saw a tweet uh, while we were talking to Ed um, from the Detroit Free Press. It says Michigan football on the preseason bubble for college uh, football playoffs. Uh, do we still think that the Michigan Wolverines are a thing? I mean, I I, I don't know. They, 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 uh, Shea Patterson can't stay on his feet, first of all. Go ahead. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I, I'm with you. And, you know, I'm, I'm the anti-Tom for the show here. You know, I don't want, I can agree with you on a lot of things. I think the show is better and we disagree and argue over stuff. And, you know, I'm the anti-Tom. But I agree with you here. Uh, we hear this every year about Michigan, how awesome they're going to be, and they're going to be a playoff team. And then we get to the Ohio State game, and they've already got a couple losses. And then, uh, you know, they get blown up by Ohio State every year. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to be different about Michigan this year other than they lost Rashawn Gary and a lot of their big-time playmakers, Chase Winovich, for last year. Uh, but I think what works in their favor is just the question marks. We don't know how good Ohio State is going to be. We don't know – much about Penn State. You know, Wisconsin's going to be pretty good, and then Nebraska's going to be up and coming under Scott Frost. So, there's a lot of question marks in the, in the Big Ten, and that's why I think Michigan's getting the nod right now. Joining us now, also Mo from the BS Sports Show. Mo, this is our official NFL uh, preview. Rick Riggin, our official college football contributor, joins us, and we're just talking some college football when, when you uh, jumped on. Uh, but, uh, first of all, Mo, how are you on this fabulous Saturday summer day? Uh, you know. <laughs> That's how I, am. I like it. That's not how oh. I feel. <laughs> oh, I don't like it. <laughs> hey, uh, let's get your chime in on a, the latest from Antonio Brown. Uh, I want my helmet, or I'm going to go home. Ed seems to say, oh, you know what? If he wants to wear it, let him wear it. Make him sign a waiver so that he can't come back into the league when he. When he loses what few brain cells that he has left, but what are your thoughts about Antonio Brown? What a ridiculous, ridiculous battle to or or heal the battle to fight or whatever metaphor you want to do. Insert here. Oh, I, I think that he's picking his hill to die on is what you were thinking of. But uh, yes, that's you know, it. <laughs> here's here's the thing: if if I'm a guy out there who's taken these helmet shots from safeties and cornerbacks. I mean, let the dude wear the helmet he wants to wear. Who gives a damn? You know what I mean? At this point, it's such a trivial thing. Uh, but, you know, as a guy who could have issues later on down the road, who are we as fans to say, you know, it's not a big issue. If that's the helmet he wants, let him wear the helmet he wants. You know, if, if I was out there taking headshots as a wide receiver going across the middle and down the field, I'd want to wear the helmet that I wanted to wear. So it uh, th- that part didn't bother me. Now, getting in the cryo chamber without the, the protective socks and, and shoes on, that's that's a dumb move, but 
the helmet thing didn't really bother me that much. Mo, uh, we talked with Adam Jevedin, a Super Browns fan, earlier uh, about uh, Baker Mayfield and the, and the Browns. And uh, he said, you know, they came out to make a statement against Washington. Yes, it was preseason. A lot of people might call it uh, pretend football, if you will. But to the Cleveland Browns, they wanted to make a statement to the, to the world that stop disrespecting us because we're coming. What are your thoughts? Big win. Granted, a big win against the Washington Redskins, but it is just preseason. Uh, I mean, you know, you look at uh, you look at what the Browns wanted to do. They came out and wanted to run their two-minute offense on the first drive when Baker was in there. Uh, he didn't have uh, many of his weapons in. A couple of guys were in there, Chubb and, and Joku. Um, but, uh, you know, the offense looked tremendous while Baker was there. And the scary thing, I think, uh, for the NFL is that the defense looked even better. Uh, they could have the best front line in, in all of football. So uh, if, if things can, if they can keep things together and, and keep the, uh, the car on the road, uh, it could be a very scary team to play uh, going down the stretch in the NFL. Well, they're coming to Indianapolis next week. I'll be there. Uh, what are your thoughts about that game? And of course, we found out this week that Andrew Luck is going to be out of practice a few more weeks. And uh, again, everybody's saying nothing to, do, to be worried about. Should we be concerned about Andrew Luck? Yeah, I think after hearing Pat McAfee yesterday with Dan Patrick and saying that even <clears throat> you know friends he's had in the organization for a long, long time are tight-lipped about it, I think there's a, a reason for concern. He he uh, said it reminded him of the time uh, you know when they were hiding. How, uh, how hurt Andrew Luck's shoulder actually was. So, yeah, I mean, after you saw what happened to Kevin Durant uh, in the NBA playoffs who had a calf injury and, and the fact that the Colts have been tight-lipped before and flat-out lied uh, to the fans and to the NFL uh, about uh, Andrew Luck's uh, injury, I'd say, yeah, there's a lot of reason for concern at this point. Rick, what do you got for Mo? You got anything for Mo? Yes, um Oh, good talking to you again, buddy. Yeah, first thing, I just want to say that. Uh, what was better, the opening drive for the Browns or the way Baker Mayfield shotgunned that beer by just busting the can open with his teeth? <laughs> I mean, you know, is is what else can this dude do to be any cooler? I mean, you know, it's it's like something new each and every week, and then you have Stone Cold Steve Austin giving him an A plus, and you talk about a guy who can shotgun right. beer. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin has been a guy who could do it for years, and, and to give Baker his endorsement and an A plus on that, I mean, I just don't know what Baker Mayfield. It doesn't can do get to better. Be, yeah, it, yeah, no, it just doesn't. He is he is the guy. It, you know, he may not be the best quarterback in the NFL, but damn, is he cool? And, uh, he's got and, a cool mustache. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's the elegance of the uh, Tom Selleck mustache he even has right now. It's, it's great. I, it's great. I, great. I, great I think it's more the Burt Reynolds Boogie Nights uh, mustache. <laughs> yeah, he looks hey, like Mo, he's remaking. Uh, he looks like he's re- he's he's a uh, stunt double for Harry Reams in one of those seventies porn flicks. That's what, that's what I that's what I was referring to. Seventies uh, porn. Hey, he's the the my pillow guy. That's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> give us a, give us some some advertising. Let's, we're 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 gonna uh, play ping pong here with college football and and the NFL, and let's just kind of talk about some some teams that 
we might look at as far as the playoffs go. It's still early, still a lot to talk about. But Rick, Texas A and M, uh, no team in the country has had more title bouts over twelve games than the Aggies. They play Clemson, Georgia, and Louisiana State. Uh, but to get the chance to host Alabama and Auburn in College Station, what are your thoughts about Texas A and M? Well, I mean, right there's the problem, Tom. I mean, it, it's Clemson, it's Alabama, it's Auburn. Uh, it, it's who they play in the conference they're in right now, and it's, it's still dominated by Alabama. And then Georgia is, you know, Alabama North, if you will, you know. So Georgia, Alabama kind of owns the SEC right now. Uh, I just don't think – even though Kellen Mond, you know, the quarterback for uh, Texas A&M is pretty good, and we're just going to the second year, Jimbo Fisher, I, I, I don't see – uh, A&M really making a push to, to win the SEC and making the playoffs. But I do see them maybe like like an eight- and nine-win team. That seems pretty solid for A&M. But uh, just the way that conference is owned right now by Bama and Georgia, I, I, I don't see any other team out of the SEC. Well, what are your thoughts about Texas A&M? Uh, uh, I mean, just the overall thoughts about them going into tw- uh, 2019 or 2020, really. I mean, you know, at this point, does anybody really care other than Alabama? You know what I mean? I mean, there's I, granted there's uh, there's other teams in that division, but let's be honest, we always expect Alabama to be there at the end. So does anybody really care other than Alabama? I mean, yeah, there there could be an upset along the way, and and you know, Texas A&M is a program that's got a lot of money, but uh, you know, at this point, how do you not uh, how do you not look at uh, you know the the Alabamas and the, the Clemsons and the Oklahomas of the world and think how, how are these teams not making it to the college final four? You know, uh, speaking of Clemson, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Uh, uh, Dabo Sweeney says, no way Kelly's getting a ring. You got to be on the team to make it happen. What are your thoughts? He's getting a lot of flack from that. Uh, what are your thoughts about what his comments regarding Kelly not getting a ring? Yeah, I thought it's kind of a, a, a D-bag move. You know, I mean, the guy – gave you quality minutes for a long time. It, you know, I like that, uh, you know, teams still give out uh, rings to guys who have departed in the NBA and in the NFL. So I think it was a stupid move. And I think he'll wind up reversing course by, uh, you know, a week or so from now after he gets all the slack because I think the kid does deserve a ring. Rick, let's play the homer card. Our, our Indiana Hoosiers in the Big Ten. I think really the, the team to look at in the Big Ten is Penn State. The Nittany Lions, of course, they, they lost the quarterback, Trace McSorley, and running back, Miles Sanders. Uh, uh, but they've been recruiting at a high level. So I still think Penn State is a dangerous weapon in the Big Ten. Obviously, we we still got to talk about Ohio sucks. I mean, Bucks. Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> Let's just talk a little bit about our Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, you know, we know that they are what they are, but they are the Indiana Hoosiers. And over the last few years, we've seen a significant amount of improvements, uh, bowl appearances, and so forth. What are your thoughts? Well, I think with the question marks we have in the Big Ten, the Big Ten this year, I don't think it's too crazy to say IU can uh, win a couple like good games against good teams in the Big Ten and get to like seven wins or something like that, which would be great for IU, which seems like well, they're about anyway every year, five, six, seven wins. But I think they got two good quarterbacks. I love their head coach. I love the energy the head coach brings to the team. Uh, It's not not too far-fetched for IU to actually get a couple big wins in the Big Ten this year because of the question marks of the conference. Mo, what are your thoughts on the Big Ten? 
Well, I mean, you know, you're talking about the Hoosiers, they're a team for the last few years uh, who've hung around against big teams in big games. You know, they, they seem to always fall apart in, in the uh, fourth quarter, but they've been able to hang around with the big-time program. So I think Rick's right with, you know, some of the question marks uh, in, in the Big Ten. Is Justin Fields uh, able to quarterback the Ohio State Buckeyes? Does Shea Patterson keep uh, Michigan competitive? You know, there's no reason Indiana, like Rick said, can't pick off a few of these bigger teams and wind up with six, seven wins. So, uh, you know, I, I think the Hoosiers have, have begun that process to be competitive every year. Now, can they get over the hump and be competitive with the big teams and win some of those games? You know, let's talk about the New York Giants, Daniel Jones, Eli Manning. A lot of people thought maybe Daniel Jones was not the best pickup for the New York Giants, but it appears that they put a lot of stock in him. It also appears that uh, – uh, I mean, he's no Peyton Manning, but his last name is Manning, and he has won a Super Bowl. And he he is certainly been good for the Giants. But I think the the Giants have realized it's time to to put Eli out to pasture. Where he'll go from here, we don't know. But I think Daniel Jones, they they they've said, hey, this is this is our guy in the future. And I tell you what, Eli better be perfect on every single play. Because I think that, you know, midseason, depending on where they're at, they'll, they'll pull Eli and put Daniel Jones in as their starting quarterback. Yeah, you know, and you know what's funny about, uh, about Eli is up until the season starts this year, he's the second highest paid player in NFL history. Wrap your head around that for a minute. The second highest paid player in NFL history behind just his, uh, just his brother. So, uh, you know, Eli, I think, is going to get the starting job. Uh, I think that uh, that – their GM, Dave Gettleman, and their coach also realize that there aren't a lot of weapons there. Golden State's going to miss the first couple of games. So I don't think you throw Daniel Jones to the Wolves right away. I, I think it's still going to be Eli that gets the start. And you'll see uh, Daniel Jones probably midway through the season. Uh, you know, they, there was talk about uh, sometimes just sitting and watching after you've had a little bit of game action and just sitting and watching makes a, a quarterback a lot better. We saw it uh, uh, last year uh, with, the, with the Jets quarterback. You know, he, he got injured, had to sit a few games and came back and, and, and had a great end of the season. So I, I think you'll see Daniel Jones this season. I just I think you see Eli uh, start to start to year out. There's just other than Saquon Barkley, who do you really have uh, that's gonna help out Daniel Jones on the Giants? Well, it's going to be fun in the film room for Daniel Jones. He obviously completed all five of his passes for 67 yards in the touchdown and an impressive uh, NFL uh, debut. So uh, to me, I, I think that uh, they, they made the right decision with, with uh, Daniel Jones. Uh, but Rick, uh, let's go to the AFC South. Uh, we don't, I don't think the Texans are going to be as good as people think they will be. Obviously, Jacksonville's got Nick Foles. Uh, let's, let's look at the AFC South. They can keep to get stronger and stronger each year. Hopefully, the Colts can hang with that. I still think, I still think that the um, Indianapolis Colts has the ability uh, to, to win the division, even if it comes down to, let's hope, knock on wood, I'm not jinxing here, but even if it comes down to us having to use Jacoby Brissett because we do have such a strong line. Keep in mind, the Colts are a much better team on the line now than they were a couple of years ago when they had to use Jacoby Brissett. I'm hoping that that's just a conversation that we're having and that, that won't be the case. Definitely, I, I feel very solid that we can win the division with Andrew Luck, but what are your thoughts on the AFC South, Rick? Isn't it kind of funny how a couple of years ago we were all kind of laughing at the AFC South, and now it's completely the other way. Now they, that might be the I don't know if it's the toughest. It might be the second toughest. It could be the toughest. 
Behind the NFC South, it's a really tough division. Uh, I think the AFC South is right there. Uh, what, that's a great division. Uh, I don't think we make much out of the Andrew Luck injury right now. I think it's just really more about protecting the future uh, uh, of the of the franchise. You know, that's, that's their team, basically, is that Andrew Luck, Colts, or anything. But I think the Colts win a division. I won't say that they easily win it, but I say they get it done. Uh, and then the Titans, the Jags, the Texans are all right there together. All, all three of them can win second place. They're all pretty much the same team. I think the Colts are a little better. The other three are about the same team. Every team is above 500 in that division, and that's what makes that division tough. Mo, no matter what happens in the AFC, if you want to get to the Super Bowl, almost invariably you can you can set your you can set your clock to it, take it to the bank. Almost invariably, it's going to go through New England. Is it going to be any different this year in 2019, 2020? New England Patriots still the conversation to have in the AFC. You know, I mean, we've picked uh, the, the Patriots uh, every year. To, this is going to be the year they fall apart. This is going to be there. They, they take a step backwards, but. It uh, it hasn't happened yet, so until it does, why would you think any different? I mean, at this point, uh, you know, the, the New England Patriots, this machine just keeps on chugging, and, and Belichick has plugged in some uh, some new guys, but uh, the, the nucleus is the same. You got Tom Brady, and you got Bill Belichick. So until that changes, I would say, yeah, you you have to think at some point to get to the Super Bowl, you're going to have to go through New England. Mo, are you being chased by the cops? No, my son's playing Pac-Man in the backseat. Oh, hey, heck yeah. <laughs> Pac-Man, bringing them up right. Love it. Yeah, I haven't played Pac-Man in a long, a long time. That's awesome. I can hear it now. It sounded like a siren, but that's okay. Hey, yeah, Rick, uh, real quickly, let's talk about Oklahoma State. It's been a while since the Cowboys uh, entered the season unranked, and even after a 7-6 season, it's probably unwarranted uh, with the consistency of Oklahoma State that has shown under Mike Grundy. Uh, what's going on with Oklahoma State, and why aren't they ranked? Uh, well, I don't know. They because Oklahoma's in the same state. That's the reason why they're not ranked. But uh, yeah, Mike Gunny's my favorite head coach. That's what I said. I Oklahoma State, picture right? Yeah, yeah. Oklahoma's in the uh, the same the, the same state. That's why they're not ranked because it's all about Lincoln Riley and, and Oklahoma, and now them uh, getting Jalen Hurts from Alabama. Uh, that's why uh, Oklahoma State's always a little brother, always uh, completely overshadowed. But it's also the Big Twelve, and Texas is uh, really good. They're seem to be getting pretty good you know we hear texas is back and they might be you know tcu uh, that's the reason why they're not ranked that's that suddenly becoming like a, a difficult conference now but you know mike gunny's my favorite head coaches i showed you the picture of my birthday cake of because i turned 40 last I weekend so i gotta i'm a great. man i'm 40 birthday cake so <laughs> that's great that was a good picture but yeah, that's absolutely. the reason why it, it, it's that conference it's getting to be a tougher conference. Uh, they lost a lot of weapons over the past couple years, so they have it. They're kind of in that rebuilding mode, if you will, because of what they've lost over the past couple years. We got just a few minutes left on the clock here, Mo. I want to get your thoughts on some MLB talk. I mean, I know they they beat my Cardinals, but they beat my Cardinals on a walk off. And that's their tenth, the Dodgers' tenth walk-off this this year. I think their record is 15. That happened back in 1993. I, I, I need to fact-check that. But either which way, they are on a tear. Combined with the Yankees, I mean, the two best teams in, foot, in baseball right now are the Dodgers and the Yankees. And the Dodgers and the Yankees meet up this week. It's going to be a blood fest. What are your thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at these two teams, and, and the Yankees have done it with, you know, tons of injuries, which is even more impressive uh, if you look at that team. So, uh, you know, the team to sleep on, though, Tom, and it's the team that I have to cover now, even though, uh, you know, I'm a diehard Cubs fan, uh, is the Cleveland Indians. You know, they made some moves getting rid of their, their number two starter uh, and Trevor Bauer and bringing in Yasiel Puig, and, and this team uh, is a team that's on a tear right now. So, uh while the Yankees and the Dodgers are two teams to watch, watch out for, watch out for the Cleveland Indians, man. They're they're making noise, and Corey Kluber's about to return. So if I'm a if I'm an AL team, the having to play the Indians in the playoffs would certainly scare the crap out of me. You mentioned Puig, and, and, and Rick, we'll get your thoughts on this, too, because, I mean, who doesn't like a good brawl? But, my God, that was – I love a Vince Clarion brawl, but that was epic. That was a, a, a crowd-winning, and, you know, Puig was right in the middle of that, and I don't even know if he knew. I don't think we knew at the time that was going to be his last game uh, with the with the Reds, but well, that, the, the brawl between the Reds and the Pirates was uh, an epic brawl. That goes up there to some of the ones we've seen between the Yankees and the Red Sox, Rick. Is this the same brawl from like a couple weeks ago where actually the pitcher for the Reds charged the dugout by himself? Yeah. That's the same brawl we're yeah. talking about. Yeah, that's the same that, one. Same that one. was impressive. Let's talk about the, uh, the yeah. intestinal fortitude, you know, the, the grapefruits on that pitcher. That's a pretty brave thing to do. Well, what are your thoughts on that before we get, we got to go here? Uh, what are your thoughts on the brawl? I mean, if, if you're going to take on a whole team, like Rick said, that guy had uh, – some testicular fortitude like no other. That was uh, that was awesome. He just said, screw it. He went for them all. And, uh, you know, you, you want your guys to be there to protect you. And Puig jumped right up to fight side by side. So uh, kudos to the Reds pitcher and to the Reds. That was awesome. You know, real quickly about Puig, I, I, he's a fun player to watch. He's certainly very animated, and you never know what kind of mohawk he's going to be wearing. But have we seen a, a fall from glory? Because it seems like when he was with the Dodgers, he was – should we, I don't want to use the word much better, but we've seen him go through two different teams since the Dodgers, and he was at his peak when he was with the Dodgers. And and I I what what do we think happened there that that kind of made the decline with Puig? Well, he's a guy who came in very mature, very young, uh, you know, to a new country and a new culture, and uh, you know, there weren't uh, were a ton of veterans on that team at the time to kind of take him under his wing, so. He's a guy who uh, definitely has a lot of confidence in himself. Uh, there's no lack of that whatsoever. But he's a guy who was young, and, and uh, I think there's still some immaturity there. So I think that's the, uh, that's the issue with, with the Axel Puig. But uh, I, don't, I don't think the talent's diminished whatsoever. It's just, uh, you know, trying to curb that attitude. And, you know, the Indians are definitely a team where that will help. A lot of good veterans on that team. So I think this could be, you know, a, a blessing in disguise for the Axel Puig. Mo, for the BS Sports Show, I appreciate you joining us. Where can people find you working your masterpieces, sir? Uh, on Twitter, at my radio show. <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon. Have yourself a good week. <laughs> See you, Mo. All right, guys. You too. Mo, for the BS Sports Show. Always uh, good to have him on. Rick Reagan, welcome back. Official college football contributor. We're excited about getting into some college football. Uh, any final words of wisdom, sir? Uh, no, great to be back. Like I said earlier, I think it's about third time to repeat myself now, bringing romance and fear to the balance. <laughs> it's much needed. Yeah, that's, ready to get back at right. it. <laughs> uh, we'll be doing the uh, college football kickoff show next week or two, I'm guessing, because the uh, season starts on the 24th. It's actually like one big game, though, so Miami and Florida. And uh, 
that new head coach from Miami is already talking the trash for that game, you know, telling Florida, you know, bring the lube and tell us how you want it. So they, I already like that. Spicy. It's kinky. I like it. I like it. Oh, and, and coming up, we've we got to do a segment on Stranger Things, and we'll get to that. But we just didn't have time today. Oh, Let's yeah. Have yourself. Yeah, we got to do some Stranger Things. <laughs> have yourself a good weekend. Where can people find your work masterpieces? Uh, just like Mo on Twitter, at Riggin underscore Rick. Uh, I do a lot of social media during the show. Definitely check me out on Twitter during the show. Call in. Uh, ask anything. TV shows, sports, movies, whatever you want. We'll solve your problems, just like Clay Travis. <laughs> I love it. I love me some Clay Travis. All right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon, man. Yep. See you, buddy. <laughs> Rick Rickard, good to have him back on with us. This has been the NFL Preview. Thank you so much, Rick. Well, that's my fault. I pushed the wrong button, but I am going to push that button in just a second. But Make sure you follow us on Twitter at T-Balance uh, and uh, follow us uh, on, on Facebook as well. Thanks to Matthew Embry for joining us and breaking down the uh, breaking news with IndyCar and McLaren. Uh, Kyle Courtney, Super Steelers fan. Adam Je- Jevedan, Super Browns fan. Rick Riggin, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and Mo from the BS Sports Show. Remember, don't drink and drive. It ain't cool. We'll see you next Saturday right here on the Balance Radio Network. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.